Well, once again, welcome. We're so glad that you're here this morning at the culmination of our 2015 mission experience. We've been so excited as we've met together and, and just been encouraged about the mission and outreach work of Friends Church here. And today it is my incredible privilege to introduce to you our special speaker. We're glad to have with us John Palmer and his wife, Debbie. Uh, so glad you're here this morning. Uh, John is president of Emerge Counseling Services uh, down in Akron, Ohio, and he has served there, and it's been a great, fantastic ministry of counseling and Christian-based counseling, had a long-term relationship with the Friends Churches, and we're glad of that. Now, you may wonder, what does uh, counseling services have to do with missions? Well, John also uh, has offered to churches around the country his expertise at taking your uh, missions giving to the next level. And so when we contacted him and back in the spring and said, we need your help, he met with us in May, and he said, uh, here, I, yes, let me give you and share with you what some of the things that have worked. And I tell you what, John brings experience in working this. Uh, John comes from a many, 20-some uh, years, I guess, maybe, at Des Moines a Church, a large church in Des Moines, Iowa, where the last eight years that he was there as senior pastor, their missions giving every year exceeded $1 million just for missions. And so uh, we said, John, help us. And he came, and thank you so much, and Lord bless you as you come this morning. Thank you. And good morning. And would you join me in giving praise to the one who deserves all the glory and praise, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. And how about those uh, Kirtland Hornets, huh? Football team, the girls' soccer team going to state to this, turn, this next week, and the mentor, the mentor football team, was that the uh, Cardinals? They won the other night, just put it to Glen Oaks. Wow, football is going great up here in this area. I got to tell you, I've got really, really good news for you. Great news. The Browns will not lose today. They will not lose. It is a promise. I actually speak as a prophet. They will not lose. They will not lose today. Now let's give a hand for that because that is great news. You don't have to go to bed tonight sad because they lost several days ago. And we're over that. We're over that by now. My wife Debbie is here with me. Would you stand and would you welcome my wife Debbie, who's here this morning. <laughs> Debbie and I have been married for 14,750 days. 14,750 days. That equates to a little over 40 years. And uh, we've had some really, really, really great years. 1976, 1984, <laughs> now, some have been better than others, but we've had some great, when I, when I first got, we first got married, I had a lot of hair, I used shampoo, now I just use mop and glow. Um, <laughs> so we're glad to be here today, what a wonderful church, we've heard so much about the effective work that you do here and around the world, and wow, it's great to be, be here with you today. If you have your copy of the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God, would you either open it up or turn it on, please, to the book of Mark? Book of Mark, chapter 16. In a moment, we'll look there in a message entitled, If Coke Can, We Can. If Coke Can, We Can. Most everyone in this room has had a taste of Coca-Cola at some point in time. Whether you like it or not, it's a different story, but most of us have, have tasted it at some point. What you may not know was that Coke first came to us in May, May of uh, 1886, when Dr. John Pemberton developed the syrup in his backyard in a three-legged brass pot. He then went to his friend who owned a pharmacy, Jacob's Pharmacy, in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. He said, why don't we begin selling Coca-Cola? And so they did. The very first year, average sales for Coca-Cola were nine drinks a day. Total profit for Coca-Cola the first year, $50. And from that humble beginning has grown this worldwide company whose product and brand is known all over the world. Recently, in speaking with a missionary friend, he told me that he's been in 125 countries of the world 
and not one single country has he not found Coca-Cola. They say that if you took all the Coke that's ever been produced, there would be more than 2.5 trillion bottles like this. And if you would stretch these bottles from end to end, holding all the Coke that's ever been produced, they would stretch around the earth at the equator 11,863 times. If you take all the Coke that's ever been produced, put them in these bottles and lay them end to end, they would stretch to the moon and back 1,890 times. That's a lot of sugar water. In fact, so much Coca-Cola is being produced that it, they are now selling one million, one million units, either bottles or cans, a minute. One million a minute which is 1.4 billion a day. Those are staggering, staggering numbers. If you were to take all the Coke that's ever been produced and put them in these cans and stack them next to Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world, it would take over 20 million columns of Coke stretching to the top of Mount Everest to hold all the Coke that's ever been produced. Now you may ask, why would, why would Pastor Steve and Pastor Kevin invite somebody in on a mission Sunday to share such like Coca-Cola statistics? It doesn't seem to connect with the gospel, but there is a powerful connection. Because I say, if Coke can, we can. If they can take their product to the world, we can take our savior to the world. The president, Robert Woodruff of Coca-Cola from 1923 to 1954, would often say, it's my desire that everybody in the world would have a taste of Coca-Cola before they die. That everybody in the world would have a taste of Coke before they die. And so I ask you, my brothers and sisters, here today at Willoughby Hills Friends Church, if it, is, if it was their desire that everybody in the world would have a taste of Coke before they die, shouldn't it be our desire that everybody in the world would have a taste of Jesus before they die? That everybody in the world could hear that Jesus came and lived in this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and rose again so that we could have an eternal, ongoing love relationship with God and that someday we could spend eternity in heaven? Shouldn't everybody in the world have an opportunity to hear about Jesus? Shouldn't everybody in the world have an opportunity to know that Jesus loves them no matter who they are or what they've done? That's why for the last several weeks, you've had this missions conference. That's why many of you have been involved in one of the more than 40 small groups meeting with missionaries, hearing their heart, sensing their passion, feeling their spiritual pulse, and hearing what God is doing in various parts of the world. Why? Because it is our commitment to take the whole gospel to the whole world. And so would you please look with me at the scriptures in the book of Mark chapter 16. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, these miracles will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. Would you say that with me? The whole purpose of the whole church 
is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. And that's why you are having this missions experience. That's why the leadership of your church says we're taking these weeks and setting them apart to help us focus our eyes, not just on ourselves and not only in our community, but to lift our eyes to the fields, the to the, the fields distant and the fields close by, to see the opportunity that God has given us to share the good news of Jesus' love with others so that they too can experience the wonderful and amazing grace of God. The whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. You've heard many missions sermons, you've heard many presentations. This morning, I, I want to share just a little differently. Over the last several weeks, I have been in contact with missionaries and mission organizations and ministries that your church supports every single month. Your offerings, your missions gifts, your, 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 your generosity is making it possible for these ministries and missionaries to do their work. So I have been in contact with a number of them. And for the next few moments, I'm going to weave into this message stories from missionaries that your church supports. Every single story I share this morning will be from missionaries that the Friends Church in Willoughby Hills sponsors every single month. You might think of this as an investor's report. You have been investing, now I'm coming back to share with you some of the good things that God has been doing. And so we'll begin with, we'll begin with Voiku and Anna Marian, who serve in Romania. They were sharing with me the last couple of weeks about a, about a young lady by the name of Petruza. Petruza had a very, very tough life, has had a very difficult life. Her father was a soldier, and when he went off to war, her mom left her father and got a boyfriend who was a violent alcoholic. He was very mean to all of them. In fact, he killed Petrusa's mom by pushing her off the train while it was running, while Petrusa was watching. She ended up in the state orphanage for many, many years. Because of all that had happened to her, she was a very angry lady, angry at people, angry at God. About 14 years ago, she happened to come in contact with a group of Christ followers in Romania, including Voiku and Anna. And she was introduced to a God who loved her, a father God who would never abandon or abuse her, a father God who cared deeply about her, who loved her unconditionally. It was very difficult for her to receive that love, however, and so she would resist. Her anger would, would, would burst, burst forth often in such a way that she just simply couldn't stay there at their center because, because she was so disruptive. So she would leave, and then she would come back. But they continued to show unconditional love to her. They would provide a place for her to stay. They would help subsidize her rent. They would help her with food. She was a seamstress, but, but because of her, her outbursts of anger, she couldn't keep a job. But, but they helped. They kept working with her. And I have really, really good news for you. Just last year, after 13 years, sometimes it takes a while for the seed of the gospel to burst forth into, in, in, in someone's heart. After 13 years, Petruza gave her life to Jesus Christ, asked Christ to, be this, to, to forgive her sins and be the leader of her life, and she was baptized. Would you join me in giving God a clap offering of praise for what he has done in Petruza's life? And it, and it happened, it happened in part because Voiku and Anna are there, sponsored by you. Your offerings are making a difference. And in a few moments, we'll be giving each of us an opportunity to participate in what we call faith promise giving, above and beyond the Lord's tithe, above and beyond our offerings, to be able to give, to be able to give as the Lord 
prompts us to do so that missionaries around the world, beginning here in this area, can, can share the good news of Jesus Christ and other people's lives can be changed because the whole purpose of the whole church is to do what? To take the whole gospel to the whole world. Now, if we're going to do that, Jesus teaches us in this passage that there are three things that we need. Number one, if we're going to take the whole gospel to the whole world, it will require a personal commitment. It will require a personal commitment. If your Bibles are still available or if you'd like to read off the screen with me, Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15 Paul says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be, will be what? Will be saved. But how can they call on the one in whom they haven't believed? And how can they believe in him if they haven't heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone preaches or shares the good news? And how can they preach unless they are sent. And that's where you and I come in. You see, all of us are involved in missions. Every child of God, in one sense or another, is a missionary. In fact, I, I've come to believe that, that if we're not a missionary, we are a mission field. Each one of us, each one of us is, is a missionary. Some of us will never go to, to Romania or Ukraine. We'll never go to Bowling Green State University and do campus ministry. We are here in this community. We live in, in this area, Willoughby Hills and Kirtland and, and Mentor and other parts of the, the greater Cleveland area. This is, this is our mission field. We also have the opportunity of helping send others to places we will never go because the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. It requires a personal commitment, each of us needing to be involved. This last week, I've had the opportunity of interacting several times with Pam Gibson. Pam is the executive director of Alternaterm Pregnancy Services in, in South Euclid. She was sharing with me about Nikki. Nikki's about 26 years old, has had a really, really rough life. And she met a young man by the name of Brandon. They fell in love and she got pregnant. When she told him she was pregnant, his first words were three. Get an abortion. Get an abortion. And so Nikki went online in search of abortion services. And in the search for abortion services, she came across a Christ-centered ministry that your church supports by the name of Alternaterm. And she came in and she met with one of the loving counselors, a woman of whom she would later say, she was so wonderfully, wonderfully helpful to me. They talked together. She she allowed the, Nikki to share without any fear of, uh, of guilt or shame. She shared with her the options. She shared it with her about the love of Christ and, and the value of that little child that was, be, that was being formed within her. And she decided to keep the child. She decided to keep the baby. But as, to be honest, as the days got closer to her delivery, she became... It became more and more difficult as she was thinking about the future, but through the support of, of, of friends and the ministry of Alternaterm, Nikki decided to go, to go all the way through, keep, to deliver the child. And the couple, whose picture you see on the screen, is the couple who have now adopted that little baby girl. Last year, over 390 women went to Alternaterm. 390 women who were confused, many of them thinking of getting an abortion. And God has used them to save the lives of many, many children. All for the glory and praise of God. Because the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world.
Pam Gibson, are you here today? There she is. Would you, would you honor Pam? Would you thank her for her ministry? Thank you, Pam. I know you'll keep up the good work. And thank you, church, for supporting a ministry, a ministry like this. Wow, what a powerful and wonderful way to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We can do it in, in Romania. We can do it in Ukraine. We can do it on college campuses. We can do it in ministries just like, just like this. The key is that all of us do something, that all of us become involved. And so in a few moments from now, you will have the opportunity, you'll be given a, a faith promise card that looks like something like this, and you'll be invited to join us in making a faith promise commitment. Every teenager, every child, every adult, as the Lord would prompt you to say, I want to be involved in helping take the good news of Jesus Christ around the world to people who have never heard of his great love. It will require a personal commitment, not only personal commitment on part of Pam Gibson and others who serve on a daily basis, but on each of our parts. A number of years ago, while Debbie and I were serving in Des Moines, Iowa, we learned of something very unique that had taken place in Bruno, Nebraska. Herman Ostry and his family had purchased a, a, a plot of ground just outside Bruno, which is a, just a few miles from Lincoln, Nebraska, the capital city. And they, after purchasing this ground that had a barn on it, they realized that every spring when the spring rains came and the snow would melt, that, that the creek would rise and flood and the barn would be completely flooded with water. One particular year, they had 23 inches of water in the barn. When it finally receded, they, they got their family down there, they were cleaning out the mess and Herman said, if we could just get enough people, we could carry this barn up the hill and it wouldn't ever flood again. Now, he really wasn't thinking about doing it. He was just sort of, just sort of venting because he was frustrated with, with having to clean the barn every year after the flooding. But his son thought, I wonder if we could do that. So his son count, began, to, to began to explore and count. He counted every every nail in the barn, every board, every shingle. He weighed them individually and he determined that the barn weighed about 19,000 pounds. Then he figured if we could get 344 people to lift 55 pounds, we could carry this, we could carry this barn up the hill. But there were two problems. Number one, 344 people in a town of 200. <laughs> Secondly, if you could get that many people, how would you get them around the barn to be able to lift it? And so together, Herman and his son developed an ingenious system of, of attaching steel tubing to the inside and outside of the barn. Then they shared the good news with the Centennial Committee of Bruno and said, why don't we have a barn raising during our Centennial? And they agreed. And so they put the word out far and wide and, in, and on July 30th, 1988, were they ever surprised? 4,000 people from 11 states showed up on their farm to see this barn raising. They picked 344 people out of the crowd and they each grabbed a handle and they lifted the barn and several minutes later, they put the barn on a brand new foundation and it never ever flooded again. Now, I'm not sure if you believe that or not, so I thought I'd show you a video. Here it is. Now, very slowly, very steadily, come forward. Very slowly, very steadily. Just beautifully and steadily forward. Now, real slow, real steadily. Forward, beautiful. You take small steps and move radial slowly. Just turn your feet. Careful to your heel, careful to your fiddle, hold that. You're doing a great job. Slowly, 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 slowly,
Nothing to it. Yeah, nothing to it. Why was there nothing to it? Because 344 people each did something. And did you notice some of them just, they were smiling and laughing. They were just, didn't look like they were really hurting themselves too badly. But when everybody did something, they lifted the barn and took it up the hill. Today, our task and assignment is not to move a barn. Our assignment is to come alongside our missionaries and the ministries that we support and say, we want to provide the financial resources so that you can do the work God has called you to do and so that increasingly, Willoughby Hills Friends Church can have greater and greater impact around the world through the missionaries that we support. It requires a personal commitment. So in a few minutes, each of us will get a handle, not a steel handle attached to a barn, but a little card. And it'll be our opportunity, if we choose to do so, to participate in helping move the mission work of this church forward so that we can truly have a greater mission experience. Now the second thing we need, if we're going to take the whole gospel to the whole world, it requires, it requires a powerful, powerful God your Bibles are still open, would you notice verse 20? It says, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. That's the operative phrase here. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. In other words, as good as they were at preaching the word, as good as Peter and James and John and the others were at sharing the gospel, it took the power of God. They spoke the word, God confirmed the word. They did what they could do, which was share the good news. Jesus did what they couldn't do. He did the miracles. And that's the really good thing about being part of, of the Lord's family, being working with God. And that is that when we do what we can do, God will do what we can't do. When we do what we can do by by praying for our missionaries and our mission works and our ministries that we support, and as we give our offerings, when we do what we can do, God will do what we cannot possibly do. I've had the opportunity over the last couple of weeks of interacting with Rob and Lisa Warren. Some of you know them. Play football for Bowling Green State University. Had a desire to play professional football. That didn't work out. So now he is today the a campus pastor, pastor of H2O Church on Bowling Green State University campus. Hundreds and hundreds of students, take a look at this, that are, that are part, several hundred every single week who are part of that ministry. He was telling me particularly about one young man by the name of Ben, Ben Murphy, who's on the, the hockey team. And Ben shared his story with me that that when he, came to, when he came to Bowling Green State University, his life was in a great deal of confusion. He said he, had, he, he was spending most of his time doing bad things. He, would be, he had become sexually addicted. He was involved in all sorts of immorality. And trying to find peace in his heart, his, his teammate, thank God for godly teammates, his godly teammate, Ryan, invited him to H2O. 
introduced him to Rob Warren, whom you support every single month. And Rob began to share with him the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus could forgive him of his sins and change him from the inside out and give him real meaning and purpose in life. He heard the good news, but it took about a year for, the, for that word to really sink in. He said, My, I was consumed with fear and with guilt and with shame, but I have really good news for you. About a year and a half ago in the spring of 2014, Ben Murphy accepted Jesus Christ into his life. He confessed Christ to be his savior. He was water baptized and today, Ben Murphy is skating on ice and walking with Christ. Would you join me in giving God a clap offering of praise for the change that he has done, worked in Ben Murphy's life. And Ben is just one of many students at Bowling Green State University who have been changed by the power of God. Rob Warren couldn't change Ben's life. Rob Warren couldn't free him from the guilt and the shame that he was feeling. But Rob could point him to someone who could, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who has changed your life. And he's changing lives on the campuses of Bowling Green State University. It requires a powerful God. If we're going to take the whole gospel to the whole world, we need, we need to be personally committed, but we also need a powerful God. I've also been interacting with Abe and Diane Bible. That's quite a great name for missionaries, isn't it? Three years ago, Abe shared with Pastor Vasali, the, uh, if you go to the next picture, he shared with Pastor Vasali, the gentleman in the red sweater, he, he taught him how to share the good news of Jesus Christ with men who didn't know the Lord. And so Pastor Vasali has been doing so and leading many men to Christ. Just one month ago, when some soldiers were coming home from war in Ukraine, Pastor Vasali stood at a street corner and he began to share the Jesus Christ and he was passing out tracts. And he was passing out tracts from from the ver representing the various churches in the community. And one of the gentlemen who, who took one of the tracks was Nikolai, who's the tall gentleman on the right. Nikolai had just returned from war. His life was filled with all kinds of, of confusion and guilt and shame. But that next Sunday, he went to the church, pastored by the gentleman next to him, the shortest man. And just a few weeks ago, about a month ago, Nikolai accepted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. His life has been transformed by the power of God. I want us to see the connection. You and others are supporting Abe and Diane Bible in the Ukraine. Abe is, is sharing with pastors how to, how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with men. The, the pastor in the red sweater gets a hold of that and really begins to do that. He then shares the gospel with Nikolai, who then goes to the church pastor by the other gentleman, and his life is changed. Do you see what's happening? It's a chain, it's a conversion chain. Transformation of people's lives, because God, God will change people's lives as we share the good news. That's why the apostle said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is what? It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And the final story that I want to share in this, in this part of the message this morning is a, is, a, is a powerful one in many regards, but you were all very much a part of it. Some of you know Bach and Heidi Chu, who for 15 years have been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ on the campuses of Case Western Reserve and Cleveland State University. And every, every year, every Easter time, Scott and, and the choir here puts on a cantata or a play, and you invite, you invite international students from these campuses to come and enjoy a delicious meal 
Hindus and Muslims and Buddhists and animists and, and others, they come and you, you show unconditional love to them and you present the gospel in a, in a fun and unique sort of way. Well, this last Easter, Anna and Ham came. They are first-year graduate students from Iran, Muslim. And they came and they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ through the cantata. Then they sat around tables and some of you interacted with them and had some amazing conversation. That was Easter. Three months later, Anna. Anna, if you go to the next picture, the one in the white, Anna was baptized. She is now a Christ follower and her husband is not far behind. Would you join me in giving God praise for the transformation that he can do because we serve a powerful, powerful God. The third thing we need if we're going to take the whole gospel to the whole world, we need perennial faith. Perennial faith. I use the word perennial faith because perennial means present at all times of the year. It's not a, a faith that comes and goes. It's a, it's a faith that we have when, when our marriage is doing really well and a faith in God that we have when it's not doing as well. A faith in God when, when we have all the income we need and our job is going well and a faith that we have when things are not going so well financially. A faith that we have in God when our children and grandchildren, everyone's healthy. And a faith that when it's not so much that way. It's perennial faith. Notice what Jesus said. These signs will follow those who believe. Those who believe. And I want to invite you in the next few moments to consider with me taking a step of faith as it relates to our faith promise giving today to step out of, of what we normally might think we could give and say, I'm gonna trust God to do even more than I thought he could do in me and through me. See, I like to think of faith as the trigger that releases the presence and power of God into our lives. Faith is the trigger that releases the presence and the power of God into our lives. I wanna encourage us to step out of the boat, to take a step of faith. Some of you have been giving to missions for a long, long time. I want to encourage you to let the Lord speak to you about the possibility of, of increasing your, your giving over this next year. Perhaps some of you have never participated in giving to missions through this congregation. I want to encourage you today, perhaps you're a teenager with not a lot of resources, maybe a, a single mom or a, an older couple or an individual is just going through a very painful time, a difficult time financially, I wanna encourage all of us to consider partnering with God to take a step of faith today in making a faith promise commitment. See, a faith promise commitment is, is it's, not a, it's, not a, um, it's not a pledge. It's not a pledge, it's not based on what I know I have, it's, it's it says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God. I'm going to believe that God can get, give money to me so that I can give it in this next year. Because this is what I've learned, that if, if he can get it through us, if he can get the money through us, he can get it to us. Not long ago, I was preaching a, a, a convention like this, a mission service, and there was a young, there was a young lady there, a single adult, and she made a faith promise commitment that really was, it really was a step of faith. She had no idea how she would fulfill it. Later that evening, she was meeting with her, she met with her landlord to, to, to take care of the details for the rent for the next year, to sign the lease for the next year. And the, and the landlord surprised her. And I've never heard of a landlord doing this. He said, you know, you've been a good, you, 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 you've been a good renter. So this year, we're going to reduce your rent. And he reduced her rent monthly by the exact amount of the faith promise that she had made earlier that day. 
And when she made the faith promise, she had no idea how God would provide. But, but God was waiting for her to take that step of faith. And her step of faith activated God's, God's working in her life in that particular way. I'm thinking of a, of a couple who were in our church in Des Moines, Iowa, where we pastored. And he was going through a transition in his job. He had just resigned. He just resigned from his full-time job and was going into a business. So he really had no idea what cash flow would be like. They were sitting in a meeting like this and he took his faith promise card and, and he thought, well, I know we could at least do $1,000 for the year. So he wrote $1,000 for the year. And as we were praying at the end of the service, he felt like God prompted him to add a zero to the end. Now, anytime you add a zero to a number above 100, it really gets big. And he added a zero. He showed it to his wife, and she nearly fainted. She said, do you have any idea what you're doing? He said, none. <laughs> Except I feel like God wants us to take this step of faith. And so they made a faith promise commitment for $10,000. Halfway into the year, he wrote me a letter, and he's given me permission to share. He said, not, not only has God provided all $10,000, for this faith promise. But we have seen God's hand at work and we've now begun to tithe faithfully because we are seeing how, how much God is, can work in our life if we will take a step of faith with him. And he said, by the way, we feel like next year our faith promise should be $20,000. Now, those numbers may be staggering for you as they are for me. But the point is that if we can... If we can lean in, if we can lean into what God wants to do, if we can say, Lord, I want to be a part of helping Pam Gibson share the good news with young ladies in this, in this part of the world who are going through some difficult times in their life and making some really big decisions. Lord, I'd like to be a part of helping Rob Warren at Bowling Green State University. I'd like to help the choose as they reach international students here in the city. I'd love to be a part of helping Abe and Diane Bible train up more men to reach the other men with the gospel. I'd like to be a part of, of what Voiku and, and Anna are doing in Romania. I'd like to be a part of that. I want to encourage you to join me this morning in making a faith promise commitment. It's not about the amount. It's not about a few of us giving thousands. It's all of us doing what God puts on our heart to do. And I'm going to invite every single person who's a part of this church to take a card. I'm going to invite every teenager to say, you know, I could do something. I, I could believe God for a dollar a week or a dollar a month or five dollars a month. And I'm going to believe. And when God provides it, and that's the cool thing about a faith promise, we don't know where it's coming from. But we give it, the promise is we give it when it comes. It may come quickly, it may take a whole year, but for the next 12 months. So I'm going to invite the ushers, if you would come and hand out to everybody in this room a card that looks like this. And while they're doing so, if you put up that last, uh, the other picture with, about Coca-Cola, if you would. How many are old enough to remember that, to remember that commercial? Come on, there are more of you than, than that, okay? Okay, it says, it's the real thing. How many are glad that Jesus is the real, real thing? If you believe Jesus is the real, real thing, yeah. And if Coke can take sugar water to the world, we can take Jesus to the world. How many believe that Jesus how many believe that Jesus is better for us than, than Coca-Cola is? Okay. Have any of you, have any of you ever, have any of you ever heard of anyone whose sins were forgiven because they drank Coca-Cola? Has anyone ever heard of anyone being freed from addiction because they drank Coca-Cola? Have any of you ever heard of anyone claim they're going to go to heaven if they drink Coca-Cola? Now, you might get there earlier if you drink a lot of it. 
but Jesus, we could take Jesus to the world. So here's what I'd like us to do is you have that card in your hand and there's a pen in the pew nearby if you don't have your own. Would you pray with me? Lord, while we hold this card in our hand, this card represents more than a piece of paper. It represents the potential of people's lives being changed by the power of God and through the message of the word. And so Lord, would you give us faith to believe that we can have it make a difference. And Lord, no matter what our financial situation is, I pray that you would help us to take a step of faith today and ask you to help us to believe that you can find money to give to us that we could then give so that we can take the whole gospel to the whole world. Lord, would you put on our heart what we should do? In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like you to write your name, if you would, please. Debbie and I are going to make a faith promise. We're not part of this church, but we're going to, we want to be a part of what God is doing here. Then you give, give us your email address, and then your address, and then sign it. Now, this is a commitment between you and the Lord. No one's ever going to come calling for it. This is just between you and the Lord. So then why would you have to give your signature and your name? Ah, it's a great, it's a great way to affirm your commitment by putting a signature to it. And then just mark what it is. It's, if it's weekly, monthly, or annual, $10, $50, $100, whatever. And then for those of you that really are committed to prayer, if you would be willing to pray for the missionaries that this church supports, would you write the word prayer on your card? And then you will be put on a, a, an email list and you'll be sent prayer letters or, or prayer requests for, to pray for the various missionaries. Then once you've done that, go ahead and just tear off this portion. This is for you to keep to remind you of your commitment. And together, we're not gonna lift a barn, but together, we're gonna take the whole gospel to the whole world. As you're completing that, Pastor Kevin, would you come back and then and receive them, please? Thank you very much. This is a holy moment. Anytime where we partner with God for what he wants to do, not just in the future of his world and his kingdom, but in our world and within us, it's a holy moment. And so why don't we pray and then we'll invite the ushers to come forward and collect these cards as the choir and worship team sing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, this morning, may you bless these promises. Lord, we know that you are going to come through in providing what you have spoken to our minds and to our hearts. And so, Lord, it's not our prayer that the money would come through, Lord, but it is our prayer that your word would go out from this place and that every dollar, that every penny, every nickel, every dime that's given, Lord, would be impactful in bringing your word and your truth and your salvation to those who desperately need hope and healing and transformation. And it's in your name we ask and pray these things, Lord, as we give these faith promise cards to you. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us? Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Then mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Let's rejoice as we can. Say forever, author of salvation. 